Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm Petter and this is James. Hello! And today we're talking about volume 1 of Asadora. This series is written and illustrated by Naoki Urasawa, a true veteran in the manga world. Other works by him include Monster, 20th Century Boys, Pluto, and Billy Bat. But yeah, he really has done a lot. I think he's been active since the 80s, so he's been around for a long time and a lot of his works have really been consistently very well received from, from what I've heard. Um, I've been interested in reading something by him for a long time, but I haven't really until now that I've gotten to read this first volume of Asadora recently, uh, so that's been fun. I did, however, watch the anime adaptation of Monster back in 2015, if I recall. Um, I watched that, and I've heard that it's like really, supposedly really faithful to the manga. But yeah, I haven't actually read any other uh, works by him. But Anyway, um, this first volume of Asadora I read a couple weeks ago, uh, just kind of to, to see if it was something for the podcast, perhaps. And I just <laughs> I want to just sort of tell the the story, sort of of how it went down. I was I was gonna read it before before I was gonna fall asleep, basically. And I was already pretty sleepy when I started reading it, so I only expected to read maybe one or two chapters. But I ended up getting so invested and captivated by everything, pretty much right off the bat, that I ended up reading the entire book. And I think this is one of like what for me one of the best volume ones that I have ever read. Uh, like it's up there with To Your Eternity for me. So I have some high hopes for this series. Hopefully not too high, but I do <laughs> I do have some high high hopes, and I think the series has great promise. Uh, I remember I messaged you pretty much right after I'd read this uh, for the first time, and I, I well I, I suggested we do it for the podcast, and I um, I tried not to set your expectations too high, uh, while I I know I I was still praising it quite quite a bit. Uh, uh, but I, I hope you still enjoyed the read, even though maybe I set the expectations kind of high. <laughs> um, I have never read anything by Urasawa. Uh, I had heard a monster and some of those other names you mentioned. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm not much of a, a manga reader until recently, obviously. <laughs> um, but uh, not, not, not even the anime monster have I seen. So I'm excited to read something from a person who is highly regarded yeah as for the first volume of asadora uh yeah i guess the expectations were set high by I'm sorry. Uh, your praise <laughs> but but i mean at the same time i i didn't go into it thinking like okay you know this is going to change my world or, or something like that you mm -hmm. know like mm -hmm. i really did go into it with just expectations that had really enjoyed it but for me i wasn't blown away or overly impressed but I, I thought it was really good. Nice. And enjoyable. And in, enough to keep me invested is what I'll say. I think if you remember, uh, since we're comparing to To Your Eternity, uh -huh. I may have felt similarly there as well, where I really enjoyed what I read, but I wasn't like in love with it quite yet. But I was intrigued where, where the story was going. Oh, yeah. But then, you know, come, oh, yeah. come a few volumes later, I, I'm pretty sure I became incredibly invested yeah oh yeah so I remember that. <laughs> maybe something will happen with uh asadora in that same way i hope so i mean i feel like the the continuation of the series has a lot i guess to live up to kind of just because i i at least absolutely love this first volume i i was blown away by it so yeah maybe it'll, it'll be hard for the rest of the story to, to keep to i guess well for me to love the rest of it as much as i love this first book but i'm keeping my hopes up that you know, that, that the rest of the series will uh, keep me just as invested. Maybe uh, washed away is a better term than blown away. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, no. Because of the content. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I was. Ooh, <laughs> get off the stage. Uh, but I guess on that a little bit, like j j just touching on some of the stuff that aren't, well, because basically for anyone who's new to Mami Manga, we generally make it through the discussion by talking about each of the characters one by one, kind of dividing the conversation up that way. But I wanted to just touch on some stuff before we get into the characters that isn't necessarily related to any specific character. And I guess in this case, it mostly involves the potential kaiju stuff that's going on, uh, kind of behind the scenes here, supposedly, as well as that storm. And, and the flooding and everything. The manga starts in the year 2020, uh, where we see Tokyo, you know, supposedly being attacked by that kaiju um, threatening the city, as, as well as the Tokyo Olympic Games. Yeah. Which... Um, Quite ironic. Yeah, little did Urusawa know that 
you know, when you started writing this story in 2018, that something else would come in the way of that uh, Olympics. <laughs> what will happen to the 2020 Olympics? <laughs> well, it'll get delayed a year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was... I mean, it's not funny, but it's a little funny, I guess, you know, in hindsight. Right. But pretty quickly after this brief scene in the year 2020, we move back in time to 1959, where the story kind of starts properly. And um, in that year, there is this typhoon that hits the mainland of Japan. And this is a real storm that happened back then called the Isewan Typhoon. I think in the West, it's gotten the name Typhoon Vera. But hmm. anyway, this was the, or is, the strongest and deadliest typhoon, at least on record, to have ever hit Japan. Wow. And I think even, even uh, like comparing it to other natural disasters... Uh, like earthquakes and stuff it's like in like it's like i think it ranks third in like the deadliest natural disaster in japan uh, i think it's only topped by two earthquakes that have happened at, at other point other points um mm. supposedly five thousand people died in this disaster with hundreds more gone missing and almost forty thousand people were injured and 1.6 million people became homeless so it was really really devastating and i mean i think I really think the manga does a pretty good job at portraying that. Obviously, we only see kind of one city, but it, yeah, it was just such a big catastrophe. Yeah, definitely was devastating, it seems like. Mm. And I had no idea that that was a historical mm. event. Yeah, I think it was September 59. It did seem very um, well thought out or like it could have happened mm. uh, for sure. So, it, yeah, I find it interesting that he, I, mean, I guess, because it's such a big event, it, you know, it, it's something that you can pull from, I guess. But anyway, yeah, so that's interesting, that historical accuracy there. Yeah. And also the implication, I guess, or at least, yeah, the fictional implication here about the storm seems to be that it was caused by a kaiju. Yeah. Obviously, it's still very mysterious, but that seems to be the implication. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, very interesting, I think. Now that you've mentioned this uh, historical aspect to it, mm. I wonder, I mean, it's a very interesting and, and kind of bold take. I wonder if he's going to, through the years, like take some natural disasters and, and put some sort of kaiju spin on it. Right, or other disasters, like maybe not necessarily just natural, I don't know. For example, the earthquake and tsunami that hit Japan in 2011, which I was there for. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, that was devastating. And I, I remember it just really uh, shook Japan emotionally. And yeah. I wonder, would it be kind of too soon or out of touch to, you know, have a story where there's kaiju implications in it? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but it's kind of but it's also kind of a bold way of mm. going about telling a story, taking potentially taking historical events in Japan, in Japan's past and putting it uh, in, in a fictional context. Exactly. I, I, do, I do always or usually enjoy kind of com combining like historical fiction with, well, supernatural fiction or, or fantasy kind of. I, uh, I, do, I do like that, that mix. Another thought I had since this is post-war Japan, but knowing that the, this event was more historical or, or you know, was historical, mm. I mean, kind of puts this theory, though it doesn't give much credit to it at least, is that since it's post-war Japan, I wonder if these kaiju, or this kaiju, has come about because of the uh, nuclear explosion. Right. Which is similar to, I believe, how Godzilla was formed. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I mean, yeah, like to really just kind of pay homage to, to the original kaiju, kind of. Yeah. And especially since it's kind of, I, I, can't, I don't remember when Godzilla is from exactly. It was like 50s. At least I think it's at least sort of close in time to when this story starts. I think it's around there, yeah. Yeah, like around there somewhere. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. But yeah, anything before we get into the character discussions? Yeah, so I mentioned how I was in Japan when the 2011 earthquake hit. Mm. I was actually in Hokkaido at the time, which is the most northern island of Japan. Um, I was on a train, but I, I kind of slept through the earthquake. Uh -huh. it didn't, we didn't really feel the effects up there. What we felt was more of the flood, the tsunami. Oh. And that hit Tohoku, which is the northern part of Honshu. So it's near where Hokkaido is. 
So we got a bit of the after effects or or just small side effects, um, but they were still pretty big. And I remember just crossing some of the bridges and seeing how how much the the rivers were just flooding over, and not not just how much water was there, but all the logs. Oh. Like there was logs filling up the river, and then when the river or the water finally receded, there was just logs all over the place. Oh. So the fact that you have this flood and all of these lumbering logs, which I'm, I'm now that we have this historical context, it's like, well, maybe this actually happened where houses were destroyed by some of these lumbering incidents. Yeah. And anyway, just looking at my own experience, it's like, wow, I can really believe that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. And, and while I researched this uh, typhoon, I did I did see some pictures from like the aftermath of it and like the destruction it caused. It's really, I mean, the, it, it looks a lot like the, like uh, Urusawa's like drawings of, of it here mm. in the manga. And it's just, it's so sad to see. Man. Yeah. I think that's all I have for now, but I, mm. I think I have a couple more questions about the kaiju, but right. I think that could be more so in the character discussions. Sounds good. Then let's talk about Asa Asada. Amidst all this disaster, we find our protagonist. And I think it's amazing how, even though everything looks so bleak, throughout really most of this volume, she's able to keep her chin up and really focus on what's important when no one else can. And uh, to a degree, I, I think she learns some of it from Kasuga, a little bit about, I guess, to her, what it means to be a hero. And I, I think she looks up to him. But I also think that she just had a lot of, like, she had this air of hope to her even before meeting Kasuga. I think not just hope, but uh, yeah, not just like positivity, optimism, and like stuff like that. Um, bravery, bra- bravery for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, but I th- yeah, I think it's just beautiful to see uh, everyone come together, especially by the end of this book, thanks to her motivating everyone mm-hmm. uh, and everything. Like she is really such a strong driving force, and she really is yeah. kind of really a-, a worthy protagonist who who actually sets things sets the wheels in motion and and gets things done and yeah i think it's amazing yeah but she is often forgotten by people we learn uh because of well because of coming from such a big family there they are 12 siblings with the newest one being born there there's 12 of them and uh, talk about the baby boom (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah i feel bad for her where you know she feels so lost within her own family that you know, even if she's kidnapped, like they're not gonna care. I'm just one of yeah you know, so many. And, right. Um, they didn't even give me a good name or yeah. things like that. Uh, which, I mean, the names that are for siblings, I guess, are are good. I, I'm not a Japanese native, but I I really like Asa. I mean, yeah. Asa, it, it's pretty simple. It's just mourning. Right. But like, I don't know. It, it's a I think it's a it's a nice sounding name and maybe maybe nicer sounding than some of her siblings' names. <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- in my ears, it is. I, I think definitely. I think it's a wonderful name. Yeah. And and it, it's it was actually something I could kind of relate to as well because I remember, especially when I was like around twelve, like as I age here, I I was not particularly happy with the name that I have, and like kind of in a in a bit of a similar way actually. Uh, so I could totally relate to that. I don't feel that way anymore, luckily, but yeah. <laughs> No, that's good. Well, I'm glad you feel more comfortable with your name. Uh, I guess maybe it doesn't help that her last name is Asada, which, depending on the kanji, could be literally Morning Field. Oh. Um, so her name could be, you know, Morning Field Morning. Uh, oh, gotcha. So, uh, well, I, in the Japanese, because you start with last name first. Yeah. First name. Right, right. Um, <laughs> But I mean, it could also could be a different. In uh, her last name, could be a, a different kanji. I'm I'm not entirely sure, but right. At least I'm just guessing that it, it, if it's the same word, it's the same kanji. Yeah, I mean so. that's fair. Yeah, and regardless, I think it sounds sounds like a nice name. It's really like a like a name you would expect from like an artist, like a stage name, perhaps or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, <laughs> it's like too perfect, but it's yeah, it's cute. I loved how assertive she was in a lot of instances throughout this book. Um, mm-hmm. Like we get, we got to see it first when she got the doctor to go help her mom who was in labor, and and also you know when she she chased after the burglar um, and um, and she well she she got the rice balls done and everything. Like she, oh I guess I kind of talked about how she got things done a lot, but 
just that assertive side of her was is a lot of fun to see, especially from someone who's so young and who's able to affect adults as much as she is able to do throughout this book. Agreed, and it it didn't come off as you know unbelievable right. or annoying because mm. sometimes I feel when writers try to make their you know a younger person seem you know smart or you know like an adult they they end up like going too far like how would a a young child like that be able to do that kind of a thing or right. be figure that out or, or something like that but everything that As- asa did w- was you know really remarkable but also yeah i can see a what is she supposed to be nine ten year, uh, ten years 12 old? i think oh it was 12 excuse me uh a 12 year old yeah I, I can totally see her doing that and um it, it doesn't change how amazing it is either and I just think her personality is great and it's something that's likable and not annoying. Yeah, and like, because you, you can really see in several instances throughout the book, you can really see, or you, you really feel how much of a child she is as well. Like, yeah, she is, mm-hmm. she, she takes charge and everything, like I said, which is maybe not what you'd expect, expect from your average 12 year old. But, but yeah, I agree with you. It's still believable. And especially with how uh, there are so many like lines and, and things that she does, which are totally childlike. Like how when when she, is, for example, when she flies into the air for the first time in the plane and she, she you know, she feels like she's a, she's a bird and she's like totally <laughs> like exhilarated by that. Mm-hmm. And this song that she that she loves so much, uh, like seeing her excitement when, whenever she hears it and everything like That's that true. is also like such so much of a childlike thing. I mean, I, I love that. So I guess uh, speaking of that song, I, I decided to look it up or try to search for a song that maybe she would be listening to and i literally just typed in 1959 because i love you not expecting to get a quick response but the first thing was this song called why by frankie avalon i was unsure if exactly it was it but i couldn't find any other songs that had the similar because i love you oh yeah um, (laughs) in it so here i'll put it in the chat in case you want to listen to it yeah yeah i would do one too apparently this song hit the the number one spot in the the billboard uh, in 1959 or was it 1960 maybe both i don't know but it it was incredibly popular at the time oh yeah so (laughs) i guess that's uh explains why she would be so interested in it yeah (laughs) it's such a cute song (laughs) hearing it now uh i I can totally see why she would like it so much (laughs) Yeah, it went to number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 chart um, when it published. Oh, it was okay. Well, maybe so. Maybe she didn't listen to this song. <laughs> oh, I did because I didn't realize what date. Uh, oh. so it was published the week of December 28, 1959. Uh oh. So maybe so this isn't maybe or either this isn't it or Urasawa took some creative liberty and uh, changed things up a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the lyrics are right there, though. <laughs> like, it, it matches. For the most part, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I looked in the comments. And I did find one person typing Japanese. I don't know if they were Japanese. But they're like, is this the song that Asadora listened to? Oh. Or the, the, uh, the Asadora's uh, main character mm. listened to? Were there any, any responses to that comment? Uh, some person answered in English, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can buy that. Unless we ever find anything that is more fitting, I guess. Then yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it's this, or that it's supposed to be this. I wonder if we'll ever get that answered or not. You yeah. know, like... I think we will. Right, because it seems, you know, she brought it up, ended up bringing it up twice. Yeah. Uh, that would mean before this huge storm happened. But still, it feels like something that would be in her mind and, and maybe something that brings her happiness after this terrible tragedy. Yeah, right. Potentially. For sure. Yeah, I really hope. I really hope she's able to find out what song it is and who who performs it and everything. <laughs> Cuz that's obviously today that's a little bit hard to kind of relate to that, but um man, the 50s were rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> For this reason, not anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Curse you radio DJ. <laughs> oh. But yeah, moving on, she is a surprisingly fast runner, it seems like. Yeah. I don't really have much on that, but it's, in, it's funny. Like, or I guess it's also possible that, that Shotaro is just really slow. <laughs> but 
I don't know. Uh, I, I like to think that it's, that it's Asa who is just really fast <laughs> without necessarily trying. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing is that Sho, he ended up winning the, the race in their school, but only because True. Asa just stepped out. But he he would have got second in that case. So so he has some speed to him, I guess. That's true. Yeah, you're right. But also just runs circles around him. It seems like, <laughs> yeah. you know. So depending on how fast they're actually running, like is that a hidden skill for her? Is that something that maybe she could potentially, I don't know, really uh, grow into? I, yeah. I don't know if that's a, a plot point that's going to be focused on at all going forward. But uh, I don't know. I. I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting, and I hope it's kind of uh, brought up again in some way. Right. I mean, I feel like at least it sort of establishes, or it seems like it establishes, I guess at least that she has, or that she is naturally athletic to some extent. True. And actually, since I just mentioned that, I, I'll also mention another thing that I was going to mention a little bit later in her discussion about when when she you know flew in the plane for the first time, based on just how happy she was how amazed she was by that feeling mm-hmm. and how, yeah, just seeing the look on her face and everything in, in that moment, just, it really appealed to her. It seemed like, like, so based on that and also based on her connection to Kasuga now and the way she looks up to him, I feel like there's a pretty decent chance that she, or at least as the years go on through, through this manga here, that we may see her aiming to become a pilot, perhaps um, moving forward through the years. And if, that is something that she is going to go for, potentially, then having a good physique and being athletic to some extent, I think, is a good thing. I mean, you know, because Kasuga is the peak physique, you know, peak male. <laughs> I mean, he's... can't get any more uh, <laughs> he... toned than that he is. <laughs> he may have looked better back in the day, you know, when he was <laughs> at his peak, you know. Because um... <laughs> he, he is on the older side, sort of-ish, I guess. That, yeah, that's that's what it seems to imply, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but yeah no i i agree that there there was something there and maybe it is just the the wonderment and amazement of trying something new and exciting like like flying but that one spark could lead to a passion for the skies in a way right and you know i also i guess if this is the direction that it's going to go i could totally imagine uh you know the the, the fact that they kind of made a deal out of there being two seats and both seats having controls I could see that perhaps as foreshadowing to something like, let's say in the next volume, Kasuga becomes too weak because of the wound that he has. Uh, if something like that end, ends up happening while they're in the sky, maybe Asa will have to take control of the plane. And like maybe he will instruct her or something. Um, and uh... if, if something like that happens, then uh, I, I think I'm going to even more double down on her wanting to become a pilot later on. I kind of hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, because that's that's what I'm saying. That that's what I'm saying. That sometimes when writers will make like the the children do something that they shouldn't physically be able to do, like landing a plane. I don't know. I mean, maybe may, maybe maybe that's maybe that's believable for a twelve year old. But at least I mean, if he's if he can still instruct her, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. To be fair, but. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it was a thought I, I could, just because I got this idea that maybe she'll become a pilot, then I wanted her, or I, well, part of me wanted to see her do maybe a little bit of flying here. <laughs> but I think that, you know, in the future, like maybe flying will be important. Like if, if, if we actually interact with these kaiju in a way, mm. maybe, yeah, she'll have to fly in a plane to talk with them or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Because, I mean, hey, maybe. <laughs> and I say talk with them because we see that she's hearing some sort of voice coming from the ocean. Like, that's, that's probably the most interesting thing about Asa right now for me is the fact that she's hearing these cries that no one else seems to really hear or at least be able to comprehend what they are. Right. Uh, Kasuga says it's just the, you know, the wind. But Asa's pretty, pretty convinced that, no, that's not it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's expanded, but I'm sure it will be. And, and I'm just curious. Uh, you know, is the monster trying to communicate with her? Oh yeah. Um, oh. Is she just happening to hear this, um, and not communicate? And it's like, oh, we're best friends, or <laughs> yeah. you know, you are the chosen one, or something like that. <laughs> just more so that it's just, you know, speaking or, or making noise, and yeah. Asa can understand it. Yeah, 
I yeah, that is a fascinating fascinating idea. I I kind of just imagined it as being sort of that because she is a child. Oh. She notices it easier than adults because I think when you're a kid, I think you're more perceptive to some things than you are when you get older. Interesting. Um, or at least that's just how I imagine or how I've understood it or kind of based on my own experiences. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I, I could see like all the bugs on the ground, for example. I don't pay attention to that as an adult anymore. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this could be a similar thing like that, perhaps. But yeah, j- just a thought. It could be. Uh, and something else that came to mind just now is maybe this is a child's way of interpreting these historical events like you know being in the middle of it and then she just mm. you know her imagination is making it seem like this like like it's something from the sea you can hear something but then again we literally see a claw print yeah and so it's like i i don't know what costa is going to say or like what the pe- what the adults are going to say after seeing that like, <laughs> like are they just be like well you know that's weird let's move on like, <laughs> right yeah but you know that's another thing why in this story how would they not, I don't know, where did this monster go? Like, there's a footprint, and then it just, did it, where did it go from there? Did it disappear? Did it just walk away? Like, yeah. Yeah, very mysterious. <laughs> but when they got out and, and saw that whole site, uh, when they came out of the mm-hmm. cargo container and you know, saw the flooding, the destruction, and everything, uh, I think that's the part of the manga that got me the most emotional, especially the the kind of specific part in that scene where, Asa didn't really seem to understand that this was the same place as before, just because it looked so different now. Mm. Like nothing looked the same, um, and mm. like seeing her that way, so confused and distraught, like that really, really got to me. And well, I and I guess something good that came from it though was how kind of through her despair at that moment, she she sort of helped Kasuga to regain his courage and take initiative. But it, it was such uh, I it, it it was a great scene, and I I did cry um, when I when I read it. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a powerful one. Urasawa was able to capture some great emotion there. Yeah, it really did. Instead of crying, I should take action. I mm. you know that's something that Kasuga taught her, but I I like how she quickly picked up on that and really just realized the the importance of the moment and the responsibility she was willing to accept. And I just admire her great bravery. Absolutely, yeah, she's awesome. And I just really like the the first line of the story. Uh, well, I, is it the first line? It's in the very first few pages. A story of a nameless girl mm. and the fearless, graceful life she lived. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited to see more about that that nameless girl. Absolutely. Although apparently she has a name. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No. I I I love the idea of having the story that's supposedly gonna just allow us to follow along with Asa through her entire life more or less. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's super exciting. In the, I guess, quote-unquote, present day, uh, 2020, she should be 73 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Granny! But anyway, in the airplane, Asa noticed a bag that mm-hmm. pro- probably belongs to Kasuga, and she asked what it was, but never got a response to that. No, that bag is... I, er... I'm pretty sure that bag is the, the, the guy who owns the airplane. Like That was the bag he... He grabs like I gotta make it to uh, oh. where was it? I, I forget. Right, uh, right. Hiroshima. I gotta I gotta make a business trip to Hiroshima. Oh, that ah. I, I double checked and it's the same lock and everything. Okay. Ah, great. Okay. Th- thank you. Great. Okay. I see. So I don't know why they would bother to show that bag. It must be something important. Right. Right. <laughs> so hmm. yeah, but what? Like yeah. I have I have some more thoughts uh, about where he could be going with that bag but that's i'll save it for the kasuga section gotcha gotcha sounds good well actually i have nothing more on asa so i i'll, I'll be good to move on to him if you want to yeah let's go ahead and do that all right let's talk about haruo kasuga then a very sad character yeah pretty tragic but uh, but as i said like he, he does kind of find his courage again thanks to asa which i was a beautiful beautiful moment and i think kind of the great the, the biggest flaw of his character, which I mean, I, I love character flaws. I mean, I think that they are what make stories and characters interesting and captivating. But uh, I think in, in his case, his biggest flaw is how he struggles with communication, I think. So that kind of when 
he doesn't know how to express himself with words. He resorts to violence, as he did, for, mm. for example, to his co-worker who was kind of a douchebag. Um, yeah, like, and, what the freak, Yeah, man? like, in that instance. And, and, and now he resorted to, like, criminal activities because he probably struggled with, communi- with communication and kind of connecting with people. I think that's sort of where his flaws lie, which just kind of makes things difficult for him. So, interestingly, a lot of veterans... And I can't speak to, you know, European culture, but at least in American culture, there's a there's a lot of veterans who feel tossed aside and kind of lost after war. They find it difficult to get acclimated back into society. And I wouldn't be surprised if some Japanese war veterans felt the same way. And maybe Kasuka is a, a case like that. Right. His talents were almost... Uh, wasted being away from a plane yeah um and yet you know they were no longer in a a situation where uh, they were even really allowed to fly planes in the same kind of way um but obviously they you know they still have planes so i don't know why kasuga didn't try to get into you know flying a, a a charter plane in some way i mean i guess again maybe that's just veterans not being treated uh fairly or respectfully i mean in america we there's such an issue with you know homeless veterans and just people who when they get out of the military they they are really at a loss of what to do Mm. um it's it's quite a culture shock right so i could i could feel like or i feel like maybe kasuga um went through something similar along with his uh you know like you said the personality of maybe not having great community well definitely not having great communication skills right yeah, because he's really such a nice guy. Like, he, he's just had a rough time. Yeah. And just made him desperate. Not the best of luck. Right. And we learned that he had a wife and son who both sadly died in the air raids during the war. That hurt me. Yeah. I was like, ooh. Especially since, like, a, like at some point before he tells us all that, she asked him if he had kids or something. Mm-hmm. And and he said he he just responded no at that time he didn't feel like opening up more than that yeah but yeah yeah it's very sad but something I I appreciate about his character is that while he is really proud about his ability at flying a plane um, which I think I think it's yeah he he's justified in 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 taking pride in that mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to take any pride in how many lives he took during the war right like that's not what he's boasting about he's only boasting about his his ability to fly the plane and nothing else can. Yeah. And I think that's respectable. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure there, there were some, you know, Japanese who were, who, who would go about talking about, Oh, I killed this many people. Or, and then I'm sure there there's, I know there's Americans who did, mm. unfortunately, who would talk about, Oh, I killed this many Japanese and they would use terrible slurs and whatnot. Right. You know, my, my grandfather, he, you know, he's a product of his time. He still has, it's really funny because I've lived in Japan. My mom speaks Japanese. She's not Japanese, but obviously, but mm. but her her father, my grandpa, is just somewhat uh, uh, racist against the Japanese. Ouch. Um. Now, now he's not like uh, discriminatory per se. I mean, he's he's rather old, but you know, he'll throw around slurs about the Jap, specifically about the Japanese. Huh. And. He just he he just doesn't quote unquote trust them. Hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting experience uh, talking with him and and opening his eyes to their culture and how ah. they're human beings. Just you know, we're all human beings, right? And you know, in his heart, he knows they're just people too. Yeah. But it, it's just those years of propaganda, right? And what he what he grew up with is just really hard to uh, shake away sometimes yeah that kind of stuff is is hard yeah right and 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 here you are two generations later consuming all sorts of media from japan (laughs) (laughs) i speak japanese yeah that too (laughs) (laughs) i lived in japan yeah and you have two youtube channels where you basically just do japanese stuff (laughs) it's true (laughs) (laughs) and not to not to say my my grandfather is a great great man just you know, at least when it comes to the Japanese, he still has some issues. But mm. you know, we we've had 
our Japanese friends come over and visit them, and he's been super hospitable. Okay, that's very cool. fine. Never, never talked bad about them, even behind their back when we they were gone. Hmm. It's just when he ends up watching the war films uh. or things like that. That's when the the old grandpa comes, uh-huh, or you know, yeah. him when he was growing up, and and then when it, when he was in the military as well. Right. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the whole point of all that was to say there are the kind of dark sides or you know both sides had issues where people were doing that kind of you know body counting in a way mm, uh, yeah right but i think there was also people like Hosoka who you know they were there for their comrades and they were just there because they were d- demanded to be there they you know, yeah. they, they had no choice really but they made the best use of their time their, of their skills and um, i i you know i i respect Kosaka for not seeking the fame and glory or fame and glory but really just seeking his calling in life yeah and wanting wanting to get everyone back in one piece yeah yeah he's a great guy but it, he definitely belongs in the sky like as he says right. he belongs behind a cockpit yeah and yeah he did steal that plane <laughs> and in doing so got shot yeah and that is yeah that's that does have have me worried i mean so far he seems to be holding up all right even though he is bleeding he's like he doesn't seem too affected right now but I worry that this injury may become more troublesome in the next volume. Yeah, yeah, I def- definitely worried. Um, I hope it's yeah not too serious or life threatening. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he's stolen a plane. He's shot. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, when this is all said and done, I I I wouldn't be surprised if he did actually see some jail time. I mean, I I think what he did is admirable, right? But I just don't think these police officers are going to be understanding at all. I mean, he did say he would turn himself in after this. Yes, but that was about the kidnapping and the robbery. Right. True. But still. <laughs> and I feel like they had kind of gone over that hump where us is like, you don't need to do that. Like, I won't report you or anything like that. Yeah. Like, I I felt like they gotten over that so that they could. Go, you know, return, not return to normal because they can't after this, really. Yeah. But they could, you know, not have to really touch on that at all. But the fact that he's still a plane now, mm. um, I think that's going to get some jail time. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe he will be tried for those other things, too. Hey, or maybe he'll die before he can get into jail. Do you really think a shot in the arm is going to kill someone? If now? he keeps on, if, if he, he, if he keeps bleeding, blood. yeah. I yeah. think that's sadly maybe possible. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Because he is dripping. Yeah. What's in the bag? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. What is in the bag? So I'm guessing it's that rich guy's bag, as we said. Exactly. It must be. Mm. Is that also going to cause problems? Not only is he stealing the plane, but is he is he is the rich guy or business tycoon guy going to claim he tried to steal the contents of the bag? Ah. Who knows? Right. It seemed like it was something very important, at least to him. Yeah, uh, like something he needed to get delivered quickly. Now, uh, while crackpot theory is what, what if, what if that has anything to do with the kaiju? Oh, <laughs> okay. Like maybe that's summoning it for some reason. <laughs> uh, it's it was a stupid idea. <laughs> hey, I mean, this is why I like having you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I keep you around, kid. <laughs> this is the only reason. No. <laughs> Uh, no, that that is that's funny. Or I mean, hey, maybe you're right. Maybe we're laughing now, but maybe you're you right. Never know. I know in other manga that we've talked about, I know we've we've kind of laughed True. off certain ideas, not really even yeah. believing in them as, uh, ourselves. And then, yeah, don't you know what they end up happening in the in the manga? So it's true. It has happened before. I was there. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, anything else on Kazuka? No, I think I said everything. All right, then let's talk about Shotaro Hayata next. So I, I'm confused about his name. So Asa calls him Sho, which is, okay, that's his nickname. Yeah. The, his brothers say Shota, and his dad says Shota sometimes. And there's one instance where he says Shotaro. Yeah, and I assume that's the full name. So I looked up online, and the Wikipedia, or the, the fan, or whatever, the, my anime list, uh. has Shota. Hmm. So what is it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe he's referred to as Shota more often, and maybe that's why they re- chose to go with that name on my anime list, maybe? 
Maybe. Perhaps. Um, I just feel like if his dad, like, cause especially in the moment when his dad does say Shotaro, I imagine mm-hmm. it, that's kind of like a very kind of a big moment, quote unquote, when when he's like, "You are the chosen one, my son, Shotaro." Like, like I feel like it would make sense for him to use the full name in that instance, even though it might not be used most of the time, perhaps. Yeah. But I guess it's worth looking into or like keeping an eye on. I guess. Keeping an eye on, yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess for the time being, we can call him Shotaro. That's that's fine. Or or Sho or Shota, like anything really, <laughs> it's fine. I think we'll know Apparently. who we're referring to. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it seems like he and Asa have been friends for a long time. He is supposedly a year older, mm-hmm. and he is being pushed by his family to represent Japan in the 1964 Olympics, which is only five years uh, from where the story's at right now. The youngest in a line of aspiring Olympic runners. Yeah. The question is, is he really that into it, is the question? Or is he just kind of yeah. pushed into into thinking that he wants that? Because you know? he is receiving a lot of pressure from his dad and brothers. Mm-hmm. It could go either way. And then you had the whole drop of blood that hit his face. And they're like, oh, it's a sign of, from God! Yeah. Kind of a <laughs> situation. Or from the gods, or however he mm. puts it. And that whole, I mean, it was funny. But also, it, it kind of makes me worried that Maybe he feels even more trapped. Like everything is making him become this Olympic runner when maybe he just, like you said, doesn't have that passion. Mm. I could see it going that way. Or maybe maybe he takes it as a sign like, maybe I really can do this. And he, he goes gung-ho into it all. And right. Maybe he does find enjoyment and fulfillment, which is the, the, the good ending, I guess. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he, his mother has passed away, something that we learned about him or mm. about their family as well. But yeah, there, isn't, there wasn't too much, but still definitely, I, I think there's potential. And I imagine he might be a character that we kind of get to follow along with as well as, as Asa grows up, he will grow up too. And maybe he will stay in the story and also grow up into an adult and maybe even an old man. We shall see. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I hope so. I, I think they, they being Asa and, and Shotaro have a pretty good friendship. Mm. And I and I kind of want to see, and I don't know, see that more because there's not a whole lot of other kids Asa's age in the story right now. So it'd be nice to have another one. I don't know, just kind of <laughs> give another perspective, I I suppose. And yeah. And also, I, I am kind of invested in what's happening with Shotaro and this whole you know Olympic training situation. Absolutely. Along with Asa being faster, like I wonder, I wonder if that will come up again. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you may disagree, but I, I think it's an interesting aspect. No, no, it is. I, I do agree with you. And I mean, since the story has been, well, historical so far, having the, this uh, typhoon being an actual typhoon in history, and, well, the song that we talked about might not be completely timing-wise historically accurate, but it's still, I mean, basically... I, close enough, I guess. You know, I can't really complain too much. Um, <laughs> I wonder if we'll see the Tokyo Olympics in, like, you know, in five years. Uh, whether or not Shotaro is in it, I think it would be mm-hmm. cool to see, you know, another historical event happen in, in the story. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the fact that we already have understanding that 2020 is in the story. <laughs> yeah. I think that we will see other historical events. Yeah, especially actually the the 1964 Tokyo Olympics makes a lot of sense to feature mm-hmm. in the story, especially since it like the the 2020 Tokyo Olympics was mentioned like in the first couple pages. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. I I wonder at how fast of a pace the story's going to move through the years. Um because obviously in this book there wasn't really an, any progress like that or like it didn't really move forward. A lot. Um, I wonder how much it's going to do that moving on, like how fast it's going to go through through time. Mm. Good question. If it if we go by, uh, I looked into some of Irosawa's other manga, and a lot of them, or at least the ones that ended up being kind of long, uh, they're all like around twenty volumes, like give or take. Hmm. So. If this one ends up going above a certain amount of volumes, which is, it's already, I think, at six volumes in Japan. I think there's a decent chance that it'll go up to 20-ish volumes uh, before it's over. So moving through 
like 60 or so years of time uh, in 20 volumes. Yeah, I feel, I feel like that's probably a good pace, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, anything else on uh, Shotaro or Shota? No. Then let's talk about Kinuyo. She's got a tough facade, but Asa did eventually kind of manage to break through it. and Definitely. And once she did, uh, Kinuyo was very, very sweet and helpful. Yeah. It's almost like she didn't want to be considered a pushover kind right. of thing. Right, <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. And I'm sure, depending on what happens to Asa's family, I'm pretty sure that Kinuyo is going to be kind of a, an important figure in Asa's life going forward. I mean, she's already kind of committed Asa to helping her out for a long time, yeah. <laughs> it seems like, in order to pay off these uh, onigiri, these rice balls. Exactly. She owes her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope that that'll turn into something fun or interesting. I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, if it does become something, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be good. I mean, honestly, at this point, I have so much faith in Urasawa's ability as a storyteller. Part of me is like not expecting necessarily to follow all of these characters for a long time, especially since we're going to move through time up until, supposedly up until Asa is like 73 years old, at which point in time, uh, like the adults that are in the story right now will probably be dead. But still, there's there is definitely time still for for characters like Kinuyo to to remain in the story for quite a bit. Um, I I love how when she, she she defended Asa and Ka, and Kasuga from from that police officer or whatever he was. Yes, I uh, love that. That was such a great moment for her. <laughs> it really was. I mean, like, huh. come on, guy, read the room, dude. Yeah. Like, <laughs> obviously, yes. In normal circumstances, this is not okay. But we're in a crisis, sir. Yeah, come on. Come on. Sick <laughs> cheese. And I, you know what? And I feel like people would actually be like that. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. not and not and not just a police officer, but the Karens of the world. <laughs> yeah. They would be. Like, um, excuse me, you can't park here. You know, it's uh-huh. like, come on. I mean, he was a Karen. Can't... Let's face it. <laughs> he was. He was an officer Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it made it made for a great moment, especially after having seen how she was kind of against the idea of helping out to begin with, and then mm-hmm. and then seeing her, you know, make a move to 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 step up and defend them like that was yeah, it felt so good. Absolutely. So she's originally from Tokyo, right? And moved out here for a reason. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested to understand what that reason was. Mm. If it was um, either you know following the person that. She met in Tokyo who she heard the the word the what was the word? Um Oh Delish. Delish, yes. Was how they translated it at least. Yeah. I'm not sure what it would be. I don't speak Nagoya Ben. Mm. But it maybe maybe yeah. Anyway, so maybe it was she was following that person, or maybe she found someone like a love interest type of situation, didn't work out. Like I mm. I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see exactly uh why she ended up out here. Absolutely. Is that all on her? Yeah. Then I really only have one other character, and it's not even really about this character. He's very minor. Dr. Tanaka. And <laughs> it's really just about a line that he said in the beginning. He said that people have been disappearing. Oh, I missed that. He kind of said that just kind of quickly between some lines. And I wondered if that's going to have any bearing on the story moving forward, if that's relevant as a whole. I, I'm not sure, but it, it just caught my eye and made me, made me wonder. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Mm. I think I forgot about that because the story went in kind of a natural disaster uh, direction. Right. That this whole like, oh, so you know, something is stealing people or people disappearing, like that whole notion just kind of went out of my mind. But mm. yeah, you're right. That is interesting. <laughs> Why even mention that? Yeah, yeah. because I, my mind, for, for, like, first I was like, okay, maybe because uh, oh, as I said about I know why. The, I know why. Or, hmm? I know why. It's because she gets kidnapped in this this episode. It's supposed to be kind of a foreshadowing of of that. You think so? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think that's the reason why. I I mean, I I, I guess I could see it, but we know that this was the first time that Kazuga did anything like that. Yeah, this is the first time Kazuga did it, but I, I think it was just you know kind of a foreshadowing what was going to happen. Could be, yeah. It, it might just be that because my mind went to. Well, to the disaster itself, in which we know that hundreds of people went missing. But mm-hmm. this was before the storm came in. Well, at least 
fully. So I wouldn't think all of those people would have gone missing before the storm even really arrived. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I, I, I think your explanation is still the best we get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe there's more to it, but I could be interesting. I feel like that maybe that's what he was trying to go for. Yeah, it may just be. But yeah, did you have any other character you wanted to talk about? No character per se, but I do have just like a one thing about her family. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I read the chapter eight title, uh, the claw marks, mm. I was worried the claw marks were from her family. Oh, <laughs> like, like they pick up the rubble, uh, uh, you know, like some of the wood, and they can see the claw marks of people oh, trying to get out. Ah, oh shit! Right, that's super dark, right? Uh, but yeah. that's happened in the world oh, before. Well, yeah, you're right, man. Oof, that would be. So that's what I was that that's what I was worried about. Oh, <laughs> dang! But clearly, it was actually a giant, like footprint. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Luckily, <laughs> <laughs> luckily. Oh, thank goodness. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I guess that is maybe all for the characters, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Then moving into predictions, and I guess since we were just talking about Asa's family, do you think they're alive? Oh, it's so hard to say. Yeah, it but is. the fact that you you brought up the uh, historical aspect of all this, hmm. oh man, I think they're dead now. Oof. I think for that reason specifically. Yeah, because like you said, like hundreds of thousands of people went or went missing or died, and I I just think there's just so much, so many logs over houses and and flooding, and nobody that they can see in that area is standing on top of the houses like right. the other people were. Mm -hmm. It's just not a good sign. It really isn't, yeah. I think, yeah, most things seem to point that they sadly may be dead. I mean, hey, I would be super happy if they were alive. Not that I really care about them, but I care about <laughs> Asa's feeling. Yeah, right. Maybe some siblings will make it out somehow. Exactly, yeah. Maybe part of the family makes it and some don't. That's possible. Yeah. Especially since, well... I don't think the mother was giving birth in their home, was she? Or I don't. Or was yeah, she? I don't think so. I at least she wasn't. She wasn't at the dinner table. At least when they were eating. Oh, it sounded like she was at someone else's house. That's right. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Oh, I mean, it could have been like the next door neighbor or something. So maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but but yeah, I guess they were split up a little bit. Yeah, old lady Oshioka. Oh yeah, Yoshioka. Right. So whatever that is. Yeah. So are you also the same thinking that they are dead? Yeah. They won't be able to save her family. I think so, sadly. Like, that's the most likely thing, I think, right now. And I think, mm. I guess, you know, for the narrative itself, I guess it could be interesting for for Asa's growth, perhaps. Or, like, as some type of motivation slash thing to make her character feel a little deeper, perhaps. As horrible as it is. Mm. Just to see how she deals with that, I think, would be interesting, actually. Because, sure, having your home destroyed is big in and of itself. But if she would have her whole family, or at least a lot, like, a part of her family taken away from her, that would kind of challenge her even more. And I think it would be interesting to see how she would deal with that. Just because, as I said at the beginning, I think she does really embody hope and, like, and, and positivity and optimism and those sorts of virtues. So with that, I think it would be especially interesting to see how she would deal with this, like with, with a tragedy this big. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So something I, I was just thinking about now hmm? that was something that I only really th started thinking about when, as we were discussing hmm? is the whole idea that is, is this part of her childlike imagination that this, this kaiju aspect of these natural disasters. Right. Because... You look at this footprint, and that, that could be pretty big evidence. I mean, no one would be able to miss that, right? But is Kasuga reacting to the footprint? He doesn't say anything. Like, he's looking in that direction, and he looks surprised. Yeah, because there's a ton of logs, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe he is seeing the footprint, but he doesn't, he doesn't say anything. It's only Asa. True. So, I don't know. <laughs> That's funny, actually. Um, I, I will say, on my first read-through, I think I, I had similar thoughts until we saw the footprint at the end. Uh-huh. Um, just because... Well, because there's the point where where Kasuga kind of corrects... Or, or he, he he tells Asa that the sound is not an animal or a monster or anything. It's the wind. Like And, like, 
Because yeah. when when that part came, I was like, okay, she's just imagining things. That's fair. It makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, and that and that this whole thing might just be that, uh, including the the what we see like the kaiju in the flames in the first few chapter pages. Mm-hmm. But then I don't know. The footprints to me made it made me kind of forget about all of that and felt and and with, with the footprint footprint I felt like it was all real. But you may be right that that this may just also be how she perceives it. Like the footprint may not actually be a footprint. Yeah. Hmm. Right. That's interesting. I think I'm hoping the next volume because. There's no way she's not going to talk about it or like try to get, you know, people's opinion on it. Yeah. So I feel like the next volume will get a better understanding if at least Kasuga is aware of the footprint. Yeah. Oof. I, I could see it becoming kind of unclear as well. Like the story might not give us like a straight answer. Like e- even in terms of Kasuga's mm-hmm. reaction, it might still remain unclear even with the next book, perhaps. Like I-, I could see this being maybe something that the story kind of dwells on, and like this whole uncertainty. Like, is it a kaiju thing or is it not? I think that could be interesting in in and of itself. But like, how do you brush that off, though? I, I don't know. Unless Kasuga just is like, no, there was nothing. There was nothing like that there, or it didn't look like that to me, or. So, something else like hmm. or or he says yeah uh-huh that's <laughs> that was weird <laughs> right <laughs> hmm. like i don't expect them to suddenly become detectives and go out to the ocean or try to find the thing or whatever hmm. but i do i i do kind of expect them to touch on it a little bit and then just go about well we got to find my family or right you know we got more things to deliver and then they move on the story from there and that's just in the back of their minds if it's real or if it's not, if it's just her imagination or supposed, then just in her mind. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. No, but that, that, that is really interesting. I guess along those lines, why did the monster appear there? Was it just random? Was it looking for Asa? Uh, if it's calling out, I mean, I, I don't think that's that kind of story. So... It just go, goes up all back to why is Asa able to hear this and exactly what is this monster here for if it's, you know, the real deal. And so my prediction is that after all the discussions, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking it, it is her imagination and that she is trying to understand these natural disasters in a way that is a coping me- mechanism. Or, <laughs> I said a prediction, but now I'm like, or... <laughs> The story does mention kind of the, you know, a fearless, nameless girl. Mm. Maybe these things are actually the acts of kaiju, but no one else can realize it except for her for whatever reason. Right. And that's why she, it seems like she's not credited or, or she's not as, like, you know, famous as she should be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I do agree that those are two very good options. Obviously, it's one or the other. It's not going to be both, but... The, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just intrigued by the idea that it may all be in her head. And actually, like one which is a really strange idea I had when I started reading this book, un- and 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 I think I had that thought until we saw the footprint. Mm-hmm. My thought was that what if Asa becomes the kaiju that we see in the first chat, first uh, <laughs> pages? <laughs> oh. Um, I mean, I guess it's still possible, but it's also really yeah. weird. Like I don't know, even know how I got that idea. <laughs> interesting um so is this a magical girl manga at the very end you know magical girl kaiju yeah or magic magical kaiju girl there 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 it is (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean yeah it's 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 another crackpot theory i suppose but (laughs) it would be pretty fun if that was the case (laughs) but maybe not the the same kind of story that is being told here yeah yeah exactly i don't know but yeah other predictions. Well, I, I already said like my idea about Asa becoming a pilot eventually, perhaps based on what we saw in this volume. I think that mm-hmm. would be fun to see, as well as the possibility that Kazuga may maybe die. Like well, worst case scenario, he may die. Um, yeah. But at the very least, that the injury will affect him in some sense. That's uh, something I really expect in the next book. It would be a fitting end if. You know, after finally getting into the sky, he passes away. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm. Oh, my gosh. You're right. 
after they land <laughs> so nothing bad happens right i mean or or or, or we get to the thing where maybe asa needs to maneuver the plane under his instructions or something although then he he, he can't die until after that's fair right, right but well i guess we shall see yeah there, there's a lot of lot of a lot of things that could happen but it would be so like if he dies and her family dies that's a lot of loss that was that she would yeah. go through if if all of that it would happen <sighs> so if asa's family is dead mm. who do you think is more likely to be her temporary guardian I guess I guess I already know the answer, but I'll just throw it out there anyway. I mean, if it's Kasuga or Kinuyo, exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would say Kasuga first, but if he also dies, then it would have to be Kinuyo, I think. Mm. If Kasuga is around, then I think it would be him, though, more, more likely. I think it's going to be Kinuyo either way, actually, because ah. I think she's just more in a stable situation, and she's already kind of that's fair. Made a made a pact with Asa to work for her <laughs> yeah so i mean i i'm sure kasuka would still be in her life but he he's not in a great spot financially anyway no i mean and nobody is i guess in this right right now i mean yeah blood. that Oof. is yeah that is so true yeah so much Can property I... damage and everything like everyone's suffering here even though you're alive and uninjured like you're still suffering a lot yeah um but yeah, I guess if he doesn't die, then as you said, like chances are he will end up in jail. So I guess even then he couldn't That's, take yeah, care of her. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, I guess Kinio does make the most sense in that sense. However, I also like the idea of him of Kasuga taking responsibility for her. Just He's a good man. He he is a great man, and he also you know he lost a son, and mm -hmm. so I think it could be nice for him to have a child again, maybe, or to take care of a child again. Mm. But anyway, I don't have any other predictions. What about you? Neither do I. All right. Well then, we got through this discussion. Woohoo! One of my last things I'll say is I absolutely love the story and the characters in this volume. If I hadn't made that clear already, and uh, <laughs> Urusawa's art, I also think look absolutely great. Yeah. I think one of my favorite aspects of his artwork is the details in the characters' face expressions. I think that that really appeals mm. to me um, a lot, as well as also like there's a lot of details in like the like the backgrounds that he draws that are, that is fun to kind of analyze and just look at. It's very pretty and very, yeah, great details overall. Yeah, some of his uh, faces kind of look like, uh, you know, caricatures in a way. Mm. Except for Asa. Asa kind of looks like, I don't know, pretty well done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I like the, because I, I get what you mean about kind of, kind of caricatures, like like Kasuga, for example, and I, I guess Kinyo as well. But I, I think it's it's done in a way that I like it. I because I, there are there's other manga and anime I'm not where it's I, bad. Uh, no 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 I, I I understand. But there are kind of caricature drawings in other manga and anime where I don't really like it as or that much. Mm -hmm. But these ones I I do really like because they still feel real in some sense, mm. um, even though they are exaggerated in various ways. But yeah, I mean Asa is just so cute. Like oh my gosh. Yeah. I also loved, like, speaking about the art a little bit, I, I loved the way uh, he drew, like, the eye of the storm as, as Asa, it, it, like, <laughs> imagines it. <laughs> it, like, it, it. Like, not only is it a fun way for a child to imagine that kind of imagery, it's also a really good artwork. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. Mm. <laughs> and it's definitely kind of the, as we were saying before, the imagination of a child, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when you hear the word eye of the storm, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about the book or anything like that before we get to the ending, ending bit of this episode? No, I mean, I guess since you repeated your praises, I will mm -hmm. just briefly say that I, I'm excited for the next volume. Yeah. I'm hopeful that the story will continue to be interesting, but I'm not like in love with the story as much as Petter, but um, <laughs> I'm still invested. Great. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm yeah, so excited to continue this. Um, we will have the next episode out next week. However, after that, we may not put these episodes out every single week and uh, or what or what and whatnot. Um, since we have a lot of a lot of other manga that we cover here on the podcast, and well, since since I'm talking about that right now, we also cover Kaguya-sama: Love is War, To Your Eternity, Spy Family, Free Run Beyond Journey's End, Vinland Saga, Kaiju Number Eight, and Jujutsu Kaisen on this podcast. Uh, so. Man, it's really get, getting up to a lot right now. It is. But 
for, for anyone who's interested in listening to some of our other, our other episodes, those are the other manga series that we cover. And uh, we're on YouTube and as well as on just the regular or other podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts and stuff like that. So you can listen to us pretty much wherever you want to. And we also have a Discord server, an open Discord server for anyone who listens to our to our stuff and who, who'd like to join there is welcome. We talk about definitely all the manga that we cover on the podcasts and also really anything weeby or or unweeby. We we talk about pretty much anything in there. And it's a really fun and nice little community with, with great people, I think. But with that all said, if you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at Umami Manga, and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel, Umami Manga, on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time when we'll talk about Volume 2. Bye-bye! See you later!